from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And I thought to myself, well, this has to be against the law. They said the legislature needed to act to give them more power. Uh, they also said they didn't have a probable violation of the law, so they couldn't file an enforcement lawsuit. Mark, it sounds like you have a different take on this. You think maybe the fix was in. Well, yeah, they could have filed a lawsuit. They could have done exactly what we did. He complained he didn't have subpoena power. Well, how did I get it? <laughs> I got it because I filed a lawsuit. And here's the problem. Everybody had a conflict of interest. It raises the question of, is the Sunshine Law and document retention, is that going to really be up to our political system to resolve? I'm Sarah Fenske. Last week, the House committee looking into the events of January 6, 2021, began examining the possibility that then-President Trump used a burner phone to hide his interactions that day. For seven hours and 37 minutes, that's including the hours when rioters breached the Capitol, the official White House call logs show nothing going in or out. That's an unusual gap. The former president has claimed he doesn't know what a burner phone is, but that's drawn pushback from people like John Bolton. The former national security advisor says Trump talked about using disposable phones to avoid having his communications scrutinized. And in Missouri, government workers using technology like burner phones to avoid transparency isn't just a possibility. It's been a fact for high-level staffers at more than one state office. That's despite questionable legality under the state's sunshine law. Attorney Mark Pedroli has been doggedly pursuing litigation dealing with disappearing text apps for more than four years. And a court hearing in May could determine whether he ever gets to the bottom of who's been using them and whether that's permissible under state law. He sees huge consequences resting on an upcoming hearing at the Missouri Court of Appeals. And he joins us today to walk us through why and what he now knows. So, Mark Pedroli, welcome back. Thank you. Good, good to be here. So, Mark, this litigation we're going to talk about today, it doesn't involve burner phones per se. It involves an app on your phone that almost provides a similar function in some ways. How does this Confide app work? So a Confide app is similar, like you said, to a burner phone, except in this case you simply download an app to your regular phone, and it converts your regular phone into a burner phone for communication sent to other people who have the same app. So is this kind of like uh, Snapchat, like I'm sending a message, they can see it, and then it disappears, or not that simple? Right. It, it is like that. I mean, the software always changes a little bit over time. Um, but look, Missouri, I mean, we led the way <laughs> back in uh, 2017 and six, well, actually, back to 2014, the Missouri State Highway Patrol started paying for uh, another app called Silent Phone. And they actually paid thousands of dollars a year uh, to, to use this app. But the problem with the app is it automatically burned communications after 90 days. So they didn't have any communications after a period of years, and it didn't hold the communications for the, the required retention period under the law. Then came 2016-17 and the whole Greitens affair, 
where they began using uh, uh, these other apps that anyone could download that you didn't even have to pay for. And that was uh, in part by the use of Confide. And the, basically the staff in the, uh, in the uh, governor's office used Confide to communicate with one another on their personal phones. So you didn't need to go out and buy a separate burner phone, which, you know, perhaps Trump did, and, and that's been in the news in the past few days, you could use your own phone to set up burner communications. And then, so you're having these burner communications say that I send a text to my coworker. Maybe I'm hoping the boss won't read it. Maybe I'm hoping the general public won't get to see it. Um, this is something like disappearing ink. It just then evaporates. Right. Well, that's actually what the trial court said initially in the case was it is like disappearing ink. And the question was, under the Missouri Sunshine Law, can you use, as a governor or a member of the governor's staff, can you use disappearing ink to communicate about public business? And that's sort of the underlying question in the litigation, uh, which is on appeal uh, coming up in May. So I want to dig into this litigation, but, but first a little backstory here. How did you even become aware that Governor Greitens' staff was using this in 2017? Well, it was, uh, it was an article written by Jason Hancock in the Kansas City Star uh, that, that first brought it to my attention. And I recall that was sometime in December of 2017. And we were involved in other litigation, Sunshine litigation at the time. And I thought to myself, well, this has to be against the law, or this has to be a violation of the Sunshine Law. And uh, we went from that premise, and we filed a suit probably three or four days later. And do we know that Greitens staff was using this in some cases for official government business? We do. We actually proved that. Um, through discovery, when we filed the case, we were able to do some written discovery. So they did produce some emails and messages. And what it did prove, in fact, was people were talking on their regular texts about how they were trying to talk on, on the burner app about legislation, and they were trying to actually edit legislative documents. So we know for a fact this was used to conduct public business. And that's really important as far as the Sunshine Law goes. Walk us through why that matters for your purposes here. Well, for our purposes here, you know, a anything that touches on public business, according to the law, it belongs to the public. So these would be records that belong you know, to the residents of the state of Missouri. So by burning them, we argue that they destroy, you know, that they violated the Sunshine Law, which is Chapter 610 uh, in Missouri. And by doing that, uh, no one can have access to the records. And it undermines everything about, you know, government transparency and the, the ability to check on what your government's doing. So this litigation um, that you ended up filing, this comes out of your client Ben Sansone put in a public records request and he wanted to see these communications. He also wanted to see who had confide on their phone in right. the first place. Again, this this disappearing app. So after, you know, you were sort of turned down or he was turned down for this, then right. you filed a lawsuit and that's when they finally responded. What were they saying and, and what did you make of those responses? Well, their response to the response to the Sunshine request was obviously they didn't have any records because they used Confide and they were all destroyed. So it you know it created sort of a catch twenty two. They were saying, look, we don't have them, we don't have them, we we don't need to have them. Um, I think they argued that they were uh, transitory records, that they were 
small minor text messages about planning or scheduling or meetings, which we thought was absurd. I mean, it was a widely panned theory. I mean, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't make plans for lunch at a particular time on a disappearing app because then you wouldn't know what time to show up. So their arguments were always kind of silly from the beginning. We knew they were discussing things that they did not want public records created for. So you say their arguments were kind of silly, and and I get the logic of what you're saying, and yet they won the first round in this case. The judge basically dismissed your case. What reason did he give in saying, no, this is not a Sunshine Law violation? Well, he gave us an interesting reason, and, and that's the reason that it's on appeal, and that's why we think it's so important, this appeal. The judge basically said that because they destroyed the communications and those communications no longer existed, that they did not have a duty under the Sunshine Law. In other words, they didn't violate the Sunshine Law. Now, when the judge ruled this, I think he understood um, you know, sort of the, the issue and, and, and the trouble and the tension. But there's another statute out there called Chapter uh, 109, and 109 is the retention rules. And that is a criminal uh, statute is, uh, the, the, in which you could charge somebody with a crime in government for deleting or destroying messages. So basically, in ruling against us, Judge Beatum was rolling out the red carpet for the attorney general and saying, you know, Pedroli and Sansone cannot bring this case, but the attorney general can, and you can you know, bring criminal charges. But the interesting thing is, is after that ruling, the attorney general didn't do a thing. The attorney general froze. And that's something that I'm going to dig in with you a little bit here because there's some interesting backstory on that. But I want to go right. back to this ruling from, from sure. Judge Beatum because this is what you're going to be appealing. You know, the, the right. Court of Appeals, they have to decide whether Beatum got this wrong. They can't sort of compel the AG to act right. on this. And you're saying this sets a really bad precedent here. Basically, a record is a public record if an official decides to keep it. It's not a public record if the official decides to destroy it. I mean, if this ruling is allowed to stand, could I just have that excuse on any public records request that my government body would get? I can just toss it away and say, well, I didn't retain that. Uh, It's not a public record. That's what we're arguing here. We're arguing that people could destroy documents. Um, They could know that you're going to request it. They could find that the, the, the records are embarrassing. They can destroy them. And once they destroy them, they know that Uh, an average citizen, a Missouri resident, cannot sue them. And the only legal exposure they would have at that point would be, let's say, a prosecuting attorney or an attorney general bringing criminal charges. If they feel like that's not going to happen, for whatever reason, maybe they're in the same political party and they don't think, or maybe they appointed the attorney general, right? For example, (laughs) we have a governor who appointed an attorney general. Would an attorney general then turn and file criminal charges against that same governor? Doubtfully. And I don't think anyone believes that. So it raises the question of, is the Sunshine Law and document retention, is that going to really be up to our political system to resolve? Or is it going to be up to individual residents, which I believe is what the Sunshine Law was intended to create, a, a framework of law that allows anybody in the state of Missouri to bring these types of allegations to get records and to prevent people from destroying them in government? 
So there is one precedent that they point to in their argument. Uh, this is Hemeyer versus KRCGTV. And this is right. somebody had tried to get um, booking videotapes from a sheriff's office. The sheriff said, hey, every four days, we just go ahead and tape over those. We're not keeping hundreds of hours of right. booking videotapes. And, and that was apparently okay for the sheriff to do. It seems like maybe that's a, a troublesome precedent here. What, why, why is that not a problem for your case? Well, we think we can get around that. I mean, that was a situation where tape was recorded, but they had the tape um, initially, and I think the court ruled that it was retained uh, for the purposes of the Sunshine Law in that case. What issue we're squarely dealing with, which has never been dealt with, is what is a public record? In that case, the question was over whether or not it was retained. In our case, we're saying it doesn't need to be retained to make it a public record. The public records are defined as something that's either retained by or a message of the government. So if the government retains it, then it's something they have to produce. If it's something they created, then they have to retain it and produce it. But if they don't retain it and they don't produce it, then they're violating the law. So in other words, if they get if they get all these emails and they burn them and they take them out on the front lawn and they light them on fire, that's a violation of the Sunshine Law. That's what we're arguing. And if this precedent is allowed to stand, if this becomes state law that, hey, if, if it's not retained, then it doesn't count as a public record, could all state business just move on to apps like Confide and the public could potentially have zero recourse? Theoretically, yes. Um, people could destroy the records. There would be no recourse under the Sunshine Law. Um, you know, if the, if the appellate court doesn't uh, agree with our argument, then the Sunshine Law would have to be changed in order to make room for, uh, you know, a, a new law that allows standing by average residents to bring cases against people who destroyed government records. Other than that, the only other case that you, you could bring is a Chapter 109, which is a criminal case, and the Attorney General would have to do that. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but that presents an enormous problem for the Attorney General. Most of the time, they don't want to bring them, and even when they do, they may not have the resources. That's why the Sunshine Law gave standing to each individual citizen. So there's a good little foreshadowing of what we're going to talk about after the break. Why an attorney general might not want to bring one of these cases. We are talking today to attorney Mark Pedroli, who is trying very hard to bring one of these cases. He'll be arguing before the Missouri Court of Appeals on May 12th. We're going to take a quick break here. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. We are talking today to attorney Mark Pedroli. He has been enmeshed in litigation, um, trying to discover what happened when the governor's office turned to use uh, Confide, a disappearing text messaging app, whether that's actually legal under the state sunshine law. Mark has been trying to, to show that it is not legal. He'll have to make that case before the Court of Appeals. Uh, but Mark, you mentioned that Judge Beatum in saying like, eh, 
I don't think this is a case you can bring here. He suggested that this this was not up to private citizens. The attorney general would have to investigate. So in this case, the attorney general did investigate. This is back when now U.S. Senator Josh Hawley was attorney general. What happened in that investigation? Well, so that investigation, I'll call it a probe, um, it was prior to the ruling by Beatum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably started sometime in December of 2017. So now at that point, what we didn't know, and w- which I find extremely troubling, is that uh, the former chief of staff, or the chief of staff to Hawley at the time, had also used Confide, had downloaded it and used it. We wouldn't find that, that out until after his election to the Senate more than a year later. So they initiated a probe, and they initiated an investigation of Governor Greitens' use of Confide, knowing that their own chief of staff had also used Confide sometime prior to that investigation. That's an irreconcilable conflict of interest, and I think it drove, frankly, uh, the findings, which were a whitewash. In fact, uh, I think Hawley's office only found that five people in the governor's office used it, Um, We later found that 27 used it because we had some subpoena power at that point. We were able to to conduct some, you know, written discovery, Um, you know, and also it was widely panned. In fact, there was an article in the New York Times about it because uh, I think Hawley only asked for 15-minute interviews, which with each of the five people that they suspected of using Confide. Wow. So 15-minute interviews, uh, that's not, you know, nearly enough to dig in to find out what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting going back to read the press coverage at the time. This is when nobody knew that Hawley had staffers that were using Confide themselves. And there was some outrage over this investigation. One thing, the Springfield News leader reported, Greitens was never interviewed for this investigation, quote, because investigators were under the impression that Greitens didn't want to talk to them about using Confide. They were concerned that he could assert executive privilege. He didn't assert executive privilege. They were just worried he might. I mean, at the time even, Mark, did did this strike you as there's something rotten in the state of Denmark? Oh, right away. I was I was deeply concerned about it. Um, one of the reasons, in fact, that I think we, we pushed so hard on the litigation is I, I suspected that the probe that Hawley was conducted conducting would be a whitewash. What's interesting is, is later, this text message also uh, made it into the New York Times in the Danny Hockam article. We later found out that's, that someone from the governor's office had attended one of our hearings we moved for a temporary restraining order, trying to restrain the governor's office from the use of confide. We thought we had a chance of winning. We didn't win. But I, I think Beatum was f- fairly close to at least awarding us that. But the text message said, um, TRO denied in confide case. Next setting is a March scheduling conference, and we'll have the AG opinion and a motion to dismiss on file by then. So That's they interesting. knew they knew what date they were going to have this opinion from Hawley's office. This text message was sent on February second, and they're talking about getting an opinion from another agency in their favor a month later. How did they know that they would have it, uh, you know, within the next thirty days? And how did they know it would have been favorable to them? That- I always found this to be a smoking gun. 
Yeah, that is very interesting. Now, we should say at the time, Hawley's office did vigorously defend what they did there. They said under the Sunshine Law, the attorney general's office does not currently have the authority to compel any witness or individual to provide evidence or respond to questions. They said the legislature needed to act to give them more power. Uh, They also said they didn't have a probable violation of the law, so they couldn't file an enforcement lawsuit. Mark, it sounds like you have a different take on this. You think maybe the fix was in. Well, yeah, they could have filed a lawsuit. They could have done exactly what we did. He complained he didn't have subpoena power. Well, how did I get it? (laughs) I got it because I filed a lawsuit. I'm not the attorney general, but we had subpoena power sometime in February or March of 2018 while he was complaining that he needed new legislation to give him subpoena power. Didn't make any sense. So this kind of points to, um, I guess, the flaw in in Judge Beatum's thinking here that, oh, we need law enforcement to go ahead and do this. In this case, this is something where the AG didn't want to do it. Now, Hawley was maybe a special case. He was Eric Schmidt ended up taking over that office. He's there today. He certainly seems to enjoy litigation. Uh, What about him? Has he shown (laughs) any interest in this? Well, he had his chance, too, um, because shortly after, uh, you know, Hawley became a United States senator, Schmidt also found out, along with us, that 27 staffers in the governor's office used Confide. We didn't know all of that in March, April, and May of 2018. So when he was attorney general, he also read the story saying, wow, Confide was really being used throughout the entire office. Maybe it's time for me to reopen the investigation because Hawley was wrong. The entire investigation and the entire conclusion that Hawley gave was based on a false premise. So certainly Eric Schmidt had an opportunity to do it, but he didn't do it either. And what did we find out? His former chief of staff at the Treasury also was on confide at around the same time as uh, Governor Greitens. And how were you able to learn that? Well, we actually got that in written discovery. Well, we because we, we had uh, screenshots of text messages that showed people's names who are using Confide, because when someone's using it, it tells you on your phone what other people are on it. Mm -hmm. So through these screenshots in Discovery, because we filed the lawsuit, we were able to get this information that Hawley didn't try to get. We were able to find out all these people who used it and their names. So Schmidt knew as well. And here's the problem. Everybody had a conflict of interest, but nobody talked about it. Uh, Schmidt should have said, look, somebody from my office used it. We can't pursue this. We're going to appoint an independent prosecutor. We're going to have somebody else look into this. Hawley could have done the same thing. No one did that. Hmm. This is such a such a complicated web and, and such a case. Mark, you are finding out all sorts of interesting things. I want to go to the phone lines. We have a question from Scott, who's calling from St. Louis. Um, Scott, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Uh, hi. Um, hello? Yes, thanks for joining us, Scott. What's, what's your question? Well, um, if these are done by government officials on taxpayer time, they're taxpayer funded mm-hmm. taxpayer time if they're deleting things aren't they destroying government property aren't they destroying public property scott that's a that's a decent question mark any thoughts on that 
Yes, they are. I totally agree with Scott. That's a good question, and it's a good analysis. And that's an analysis that we tried to get the attorney general and the prosecutors to look into because, again, that would be along the lines of a criminal uh, charge or a criminal allegation. And unfortunately, you know, I'm not attorney general. I'm not prosecutor, so I couldn't bring those types of charges. So the only thing that was left for us was the Sunshine Law. Hmm. Well, Scott, thank you for that question. Mark, you're continuing to try to litigate this. You have this hearing coming up at the Court of Appeals. And so, you know, they've had an expert who has testified that these records are unrecoverable. They use the disappearing ink. The disappearing ink has disappeared. And I get the underlying issue here and that this is a huge problem. But so what does victory look like for you? How can you how can you win this thing at the Court of Appeals? Well, we can get them to agree that the, the uh, destroying records violated the Sunshine Law. Then they send us back and we get what we wanted originally, depositions. How do you create messages that have been destroyed? Easy. You ask the people who sent and received them. You ask them what kinds of communications they sent and received. What did they receive from Governor Greitens? What did it say? What did they send? Y- you need to put people under oath. And hopefully they will tell the truth. And then you can reconstruct what happened here. And, and so you have if, to remember, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. If you could show that they had violated the Sunshine Law and they're admitting under oath, yeah, we were, we were texting about a lot of stuff that we shouldn't have right. been texting about. Would there right. be repercussions for that? What, what kind of repercussions? Well, it would be a violation of the Sunshine Law. I think, the, I mean, from our perspective, this is a civil case. So mm-hmm. there's penalties, attorney's fees. But, you know, what's driving us is getting the transparency on this. We want everyone to know what happened, and we want to prevent the same thing from happening in the future. I mean, this is a nationwide issue. This may, I mean, this is one of the first probably cases in the nation that has gone to the appellate level in a state with regard to the issue of destroying using burner apps. I mean, we had the Nixon 18 and a half minutes of missing tape. Now we have Trump in a missing basically seven hours. The person, one of the people that ran Greitens' campaigns and was a consultant for his, you know, 501c4s was Nick Ayers. Nick Ayers was very close to Governor Greitens. Nick Ayers was the chief of staff to the vice president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Now, the chances are that Nick Ayers was communicating with Eric Greitens using Confide is very high. This goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way across the country. Political people use these apps and they use burner phones. And I think it's now all coming to fruition now that people are seeing what happened on January 6th in this this missing time and the possibility of multiple burner apps. We know Giuliani's used multiple burner apps, so we know people use not only the apps but the burner phones as well. It's a big issue. So this issue, you're going to continue to fight this in court. In the meantime, should the legislature be taking this on? Could they just simply, uh, you know, make it into law that you can't conduct government business on these burner apps? Absolutely. They, they could make it clear that, that a resident of Missouri has standing under the Sunshine Law if you burn an app. That would be as simple as changing, you know, one sentence in the law just to make it clear. 
We already think it's clear. So we think we have a good chance at the Court of Appeals. But even if it's not, the legislature can step in. But I'll be honest, I've been doing this for, you know, we've had this case filed since 2018, and you always hear the legislator is going to do this and they're going to do that. But it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So we don't feel confident that we're going to get anything out of the legislature that really addresses this. In fact, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're making the Sunshine Law weaker. Every year since we filed this case, there have been amendments that are trying to weaken the law and to uh, and to conceal even more documents. So I don't feel like that's going to happen at the legislature. We need the Court of Appeals, and I think that's I think that's where the action is right now. Well, Attorney Mark Pedroli, I thank you for taking the time to walk us through all of this today. I think it's certainly been an education for a lot of us, so thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.